Welcome to the Christian Ministries Church Podcast. My name is Josh Barnett. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. We're praying that this message equips and empowers you to live in the kingdom of God. I love, I love, I so, so, so love that song. Um, but I love the parts like, I won't let the rocks cry out of my place. Um, and and, and I, I've so had a shift in thinking on that the last couple of years because I, I believe the rocks already cry out. Like I was in... Um, What's that mountain in Colorado? Um, Pikes Peak. We were at Colo- in Colorado last year, and right outside our cabin was Pike. You could see Pikes Peak, and man, just watching the sun come up behind it in the morning, and just seeing it, it like it like the creation does cry out. Creation does cry out, but I'm not going to let creation cry out louder than I cry out. Come on, we're meant to burn bright. We are the light of the world. Amen. It's a good way to start it, Josh. So great points. So thank you. All right. <laughs> God bless you. Well, uh, I'm really, really excited about sharing with you tonight. Um, in this series, we've been studying the laws of the kingdom, uh, the way in which we see heaven touch earth. We live in, as believers, we are called to live in this kingdom reality, this reality that supersedes the laws of nature. And that's what we've been talking about. And I'm, I'm pumped tonight because we're going to talk about the law of miracles, where the invisible supernatural kingdom realm breaks out into our natural, physical world. Now, God, he's almighty, he's the creator, and uh, because of that, he's not bound by the laws of creation. He can operate outside of those limits. He can heal a body, he can still a storm, he can move a mountain, and he's also given his children permission to operate outside of those limits as well. Because in the Gospels, it says that nothing is impossible with God, and it also says anything is possible to he that believeth. Come on. <laughs> but even in miracles, there's a framework in which they operate. Now, our world is in desperate need of the miraculous. They're in desperate need of the goodness of God, of signs, wonders, and miracles. And so we have to understand this law and act on what Jesus said we were allowed to act on. He introduced a new, a new normal on the day of Pentecost. With the power of the Holy Spirit, miracles should be a normal part of the believer's life. Jesus expected his followers to do them, and in the Gospels, even rebuked them when they didn't, when they lacked faith to perform them. He was amazed. There's two times Jesus was amazed. One time he was amazed at the, at the lack of faith of, his, of the people in his hometown. And the other time he was amazed at the faith of the centurion who understood the authority that Jesus walked in. The the centurion had the faith to believe the unseen supernatural realm could alter, shape, and break into the natural. And this is the type of faith we must cover. So if we want to see miracles become a reality today, there's, there's some rules, there's some boundaries, there's some laws in which we have to follow. And the number one thing is you have to have faith in God. You have to have faith in God. This is the beginning and the end. Faith is what makes the kingdom a reality because we are, we are saved by grace through faith because I put my faith in him and I begin to believe in him. When Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he tells Nicodemus, you have to be born again if you want to enter in heaven's kingdom realm. If you want to see the kingdom, you've got to be born again. What does it take for us to be born again? Faith. That's it. It takes faith to 
be born again. Jesus, Jesus told him no one can enter the kingdom without being born of water and of spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. It takes faith to be able to perceive what is going on in the kingdom, to perceive what's going on in the kingdom realm. It takes faith to, to understand that there is power that we have access to. We have to believe that it's there and that we have access to it. And if we don't act on that faith, if we don't believe it, we're never going to see it break through. And perhaps that's why we've seen a lack of miracles is because we have a lack of faith. Amen. <laughs> Faith is the title deed to the pool of power that is found in the kingdom. We have gained access to this power by being born again. And, and, and my favorite definition of faith is simply this. Faith is simply believing God is who he says he is and that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. That's all faith is right there. Believing God is who he says he is and he's going to do, he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And then us acting on that. It's all ours. We are partakers of his divine nature. We have access to this kingdom realm. So we have to have faith in God. The next thing, number two, is we have to walk in obedience. We have to be obedient to what he tells us to do. If we wanna see miracles, it not only requires faith in God, but it requires obedience to God. We have to obey what he tells us to do. And, 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 and really, it's not really faith if there's not obedience. We have to, you can, like it's the old classic example of the, the, the faith chair. It's like you can believe that the chair is there, but do you really believe it if you don't sit in it? I believe it will hold me, will sit down, show me that it actually will. That's what James is saying, is like, show me your faith by your works. We are not saved by works, but we are saved unto good works, right? So I don't, I don't do works in order to try and earn anything from him. I do works because of what he's done in my life and I want other people to experience the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the love of God. That is why I do works is because he saved me. Come on, and so I've got to be obedient. We gotta step out and do what he tells us to do. Listen, even when it sounds crazy, because God is going to tell you to do things that sound absolutely insane. He's gonna tell you to do things that don't make sense. Come on, the Christian should do things where people look at you and go, you, like, you should have common sense, and it's like nothing God gives me is common. It's an upside down kingdom. He's gonna tell us to do things that don't make sense. And we've got to have faith and obey what he tells us to do and believe that he's going to come through. Come on. We've gotta believe what he says if we wanna see miracles. We have to take our eyes off our circumstances and put our eyes on him. We have to take our eyes off our circumstances and put our eyes on him. So many times we focus on the natural. We focus on the impossibility of the situation instead of believing that God said it is possible. Like the, the, so the whole, the, the, the whole story of Israel is, is type and shadow of the believer's life of what the church was, was going to walk through in the new covenant. But the, 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 the Israelites, they, they were saved. They came out of Egypt and then they had this promised land that before they got to it, God said, this is the land I have given you. 160 times he said, the land I have given you, not the land I'm going to give you, the land I have given you, yet the 12 spies go in and 10 of them 
lacked the faith. They only saw the giants. They only saw how hard it was going to be. They only saw how impossible it was going to be. Except for Joshua and Caleb. They said, let's do it. God said it's our land. Let's go take it right now. Let's take what is ours. What do we focus on? Do we focus on it's too big, it's too impossible, it's too hard? Or do we say, this is ours. This is our land. This is the promise that God has given me. Come on. We can't, they heard, they didn't do, James 1.22. We can't be hearers of the word only. We've got to be doers of the word. We can't just believe in him. We have to believe what he says. (laughs) And we can't doubt in our hearts. This is a hard one. We've got to remove the doubt in our own hearts. James 1, 5 through 8 talks about if you, if you need wisdom, ask God, which I believe wisdom, I believe that God has, it's a Holy Spirit gifting to give us wisdom, to give us wisdom. And I, and I actually believe tonight at the end here, like I'm going to pray for some of you to receive wisdom in what's seemingly an impossible circumstance that you're facing right now. He's going to give you wisdom on how to reconcile that relationship, on how to reconcile that marriage, on how to have a breakthrough financially. I believe God is going to pour out some wisdom in this room tonight. And I believe that's going to be, you're going to see miraculous things happen because God gives you the wisdom that you didn't have before without him. Come on. But he says, if you ask wisdom, you better be sure. You better be fully convinced of what you ask. Because if you're not fully convinced, you're a double-minded man and you're unstable in all your ways. You're tossed to and fro by your circumstances, by the winds and the waves of culture. You're tossed to and fro. You better be fully convinced. Double-minded. And and listen, fully convinced means 100%. So what's double-minded? Not 50-50. It could be 99 and 1. And so we've got to drive this doubt out of our heart. One of my favorite stories in in Mark chapter nine is when Jesus comes off the mountain of transfiguration and he meets the father who brings the son who's possessed by a demon that's throwing him into the fire and throwing him into the water. You remember this story? And Jesus says, you just have to believe. And he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. And what I love about this man is he went to the only place that drives out the unbelief the presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus. So, and, and, and the, the man said, I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't, draw, they couldn't cast the demon out. Now listen, by then the disciples had already cast out a bunch of demons. Jesus had already sent them out two by two. He had already sent the 70 out. They had already performed miracles. They couldn't get this demon to leave. Why? There was unbelief. Jesus responds and said, this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. Now, I don't believe that Jesus was talking about situationally. I believe that Jesus was talking about a lifestyle that we're supposed to enter into, which is relationship. It's connection with the Father. There's a reason that Jesus always, he was sneaking away. He was sneaking away. He was, he was always getting away from his disciples. He was waking up early. He was going to bed late. He was always getting to his secret place because I said, I don't do anything that I haven't seen the Father do. And I don't say anything I haven't seen the Father say. And see, many of us are going around trying to do things that we believe is God's will that may not be God's will. And we're going around trying to say things that, that we think is God's will that may not be God's will. We're supposed to get alone with him and have this relationship with him and get filled up. And we go out and we overflow and casting out demons becomes a byproduct of my connection with him. My connection with him, miracles become a byproduct And I'm afraid that a lot of the church is missing out on miracles because they've made miracles the aim instead of him. You aim at him and miracles will be a natural byproduct. Come on. (laughs) 
Unbelief, the only place that unbelief gets driven out is in the presence of Jesus. And unbelief is really dangerous because unbelief costs the nation of Israel 40 years and an entire generation. Unbelief is dangerous. It's got to be something that we drive out. And so when I pray for them, someone and, they, and I don't see them healed, when I'm praying for the breakthrough and I don't see it, I don't go, I don't go why didn't this happen? I don't blame him. Then I, I go into the secret place because it says the disciples pulled Jesus aside and said, why couldn't we do it? And that's what we do. We pull him aside and we go into that place and say, Lord, teach me, show me. I you sent me to do this and I couldn't do it. I want to bring your will. I want to bring heaven to earth, God. Teach me how. And I go into that place where he drives that unbelief out of my life. I don't, I don't want to stand before God one day and see all that I missed out on because of unbelief. I want to drag my unbelief into the presence of Jesus every single time. The next, so so we, we can't doubt in our hearts. The next thing is, is if you want to see miracles, you've got to use your words. You've got to talk. You've got to speak it. Every time Jesus performed a miracle, he spoke. There's power of life and death in our tongue. Come on. And listen, what's the first thing that happened when the, when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit came? tongues. There's power in this tongue. There's power in language. There's power in quoting the scripture. These are his words. There's power in it. We've got to speak it. Jesus spoke to the fig tree. He spoke to the winds and the waves. He commanded demons to come out. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And I, listen, I personally believe in what I've heard growing up is that he had to name Lazarus because if he just said, come forth, every dead person in that graveyard would have got up. Come on. <laughs> he said, Lazarus, come forth. We've got to speak. It's not well wishes and it's not good intentions. We've got to speak. And listen, speak with authority. This is your badge, man. Speak every third day. Uh, that, well, that authority just went to their, he their head. Let that authority go to your head. You have authority over demons. You have authority over demonic strongholds. You have authority over cancer. You have authority over sickness. Come on. Speak it. Let it go to your head. Get your confidence up. Speak it out. Even if you don't feel it, speak it until you do. Speak it until you believe it. Come on. Get alone with God until you hear the will of God and then go speak the will of God until you see the will of God. You hear that? Get alone with God until you hear the will of God. Then go speak the will of God until you see the will of God. John 14 Verse 10, Jesus said, don't you, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works, even greater works. And we saw even greater works just in Acts, not too long after he said this. We saw greater works. I don't remember reading about Jesus' shadow ever healing anybody, but I do remember about Peter's shadow healing people. Greater works. Even greater works because I'm going to the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Get alone with him until you hear him, then speak it until you see it. The next thing, we want to see miracles. You've got to know whose you are and who you are. You've got to know whose you are and who you are. I love this in Luke chapter 10, 
Verse 17, when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you, but don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Come on, come on. Why did Satan fall like lightning from heaven when the 72 disciples went out? Because the 72 disciples went out to do what God originally created man and woman to do. And that was to make the earth look like heaven. That was to expand the Garden of Eden. That's the whole mandate. That's the reason that he put us here to take dominion of the world. And they began to go out. First John 3, 8, the son of man came to do this, to destroy the works of the devil. And he's still doing that to this day with his church. Come on. <laughs> Come on. That's why Satan fell like lightning because he lost his authority and man had gotten it back because Jesus had sent them out in his authority. Come on. But he said, don't rejoice in this. See, that's nothing. Little demon obeying you. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. (laughs) Your name is written in heaven. We don't rejoice in our authority. We rejoice in where and who our authority comes from. That's what we rejoice in. We don't rejoice in our authority. We rejoice in where and in who our authority comes from. You have to know whose you are and who you are. I love there's a story in Acts 19, the sons of Sceva, the tribe. They're trying to cast out a demon. <laughs> and uh, they're just, they, they said, come out in the name of Jesus Christ, whom Paul preaches. And so it's like, clearly these guys don't know Jesus. And uh, the demon looks at the guys and goes, I know Jesus and I've heard of Paul, but who are you? <laughs> like, isn't that why? Like, I know Jesus and like, yeah, Paul, like, I've heard of Paul, like I've heard of that guy, um, but who are you? And beats the tar out of them, takes off all their clothes and they have to run away, run away naked. <laughs> See, they, they didn't have that connection. They didn't have that relationship with the Father. They were trying to do something. And, and I, I love this. <laughs> I love this. I, I think many times we think that Satan is all-knowing like God is all-knowing, but he's not. And the demons aren't all-knowing like God is all-knowing. And so, like, those demons didn't even know who these guys were. But Jesus, they knew who Jesus was. And they've heard of this guy, Paul, because Paul is making waves. Paul is causing a ruckus. I love uh, uh, Leonard Ravenhill used to say, you know, uh, I know that my name's written in heaven. And he said, but I want my name to be known by hell. Because I want, I want to be causing such a mess that hell fears me. Come on. Ooh. <laughs> Some of that old school preaching right there. <laughs> we have to know whose we are. Settle the issue of identity. Know that your, your name is written in heaven. Right? And, and, and listen, Romans chapter 8, because of that, you are more than a conqueror. You are more than an overcomer. Like above and beyond. That's what you are. That's what scripture says about you. And if we, if we don't know that about ourselves, if we don't know that we're his and we don't know who we are, that we're his sons and daughters, that we're his royal priesthood, that we are his chosen ones, that we have been sent out to do this. If we don't know that, what it does is it robs us of the confidence to see miracles happen. We're not gonna be bold when we lay hands on people. We're not gonna believe it. It's gonna fill our hearts with doubt because we don't know who we are. And, and listen, this is, why, this is why sin is so dangerous in the life of the believer. Because what sin does is it robs you of the confidence of who you are. 
because we go in somewhere and we begin to think about what we did last night. And it gets us, man. The devil is, it comes and accuses us, but what if, the, what, if, what if we really believe that we were righteous? What if we really believe that he had washed us completely clean? What if we really believe that about ourselves? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. What if in the deepest place of who, you, of who you are, you knew I'm loved by God and nothing can separate me from that great love? And so, and so you look at the, it, despite persecution, like uh, the, the guys in Acts, like they're being persecuted like crazy and they're having a party. This is like a ball in the New Testament. We're studying the New Testament right now with our ninth and 10th graders at, in, uh, at CMA. And these guys are just, it's, it's like they're getting persecuted and they're rejoicing over it. And you're like, what? It's because they knew who they were and they knew whose they were. And they knew that even if they face death, they get to go be with Jesus. Even if we die, we win. Come on. What if I, what if I ask somebody to pray for them and they, and they reject me? Like, oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> you know whose you are, so rejection doesn't phase you. Hmm. Come on. And listen, if I so know who I am in his sight, even if I pray and I don't see the miracle, guess what? I'm okay because I'm still a son. If we could get that revelation... Because I think oftentimes we, we will, if we pray and we fail, or we put it, we fail, like if, if we pray and we don't see it happen, oftentimes we begin to think, well, maybe there's a disconnect in how God sees me, and that's not it at all. That's not it. You're a son, you're a daughter. The goal to see more miracles is for you to get completely convinced of that. Come on. Not knowing who you are will rob you of the confidence necessary to step out in obedient faith. What I want, and let's just, Let's talk about this, that miracles are, miracles are available for today. Miracles are not just for the apostles. They're for every believer. Miracles are for every believer. Paul talked to the church in Corinth like miracles were supposed to be normal. And listen, the church in Corinth was really messed up. Really messed They really were. They had, they had some issues, lots of issues but he talked to them as if miracles were still supposed to be a normal part of their everyday life. I believe that every believer can be a miracle worker. Mark chapter 16, verse 15 through 20, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved and anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. When the Lord Jesus had finished talking to them, he was taken up into heaven and sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. The disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. These signs and wonders will follow those that believe, will accompany those that believe. It doesn't say these signs and wonders will follow the apostles. It says, these signs and wonders will follow those that believe. Come on. Jesus told us <laughs> the Lord's prayer. He told us to pray. The first request was your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I don't believe that Jesus would tell us to pray something that he didn't intend to answer. Hmm. 
Matthew 10, 7 and 8, go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. So what does it look like? Well, like practically, what's the will of God? He says it right here. Heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse lepers, raise the dead. And if he's talking to the disciples, he's talking to me. If he's talking to the disciples, he's talking to me. We, a lot of times we nitpick and go like, well, he was talking to the disciples here, but I don't know necessarily he was talking about here. Well, what qualifies it there and not in other places? You believe the Great Commission is for you. This is part of the Great, great Commission. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons. He's talking to us. <clears throat> We've got to... <laughs> We have got to bring ourselves to a place that we believe and that happens in the presence of Jesus. Um, you see in Mark 6, the story where Jesus says a prophet is honored everywhere except his hometown. Um, and it says, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except heal a few sick people. And he was amazed at their unbelief. It's, and it, it doesn't say that he wouldn't do, it says that he couldn't do. Now, I don't, I don't think that, it, that he, it's not that a matter of ability. He had the ability to do it, I just think that he couldn't do it in a sense of if, if he did it, they still wouldn't believe. They still wouldn't believe. Because you go to Matthew chapter 12, and Jesus, the, the Pharisees try to trap him, and he heals the guy with the, the messed up arm on the Sabbath day. And then he goes through the whole deal where he's like, if, you lo- if your sheep fell in a well, you would save the sheep. How much more valuable are the children of God? And they see him do that, and they see him heal some other things. And you get down to Matthew chapter 12, verse 38, and they come to him and they say, show us a sign. We demand that you show us a sign. Guys, you just saw it. What in the world do you think another, sign, another miracle is going to convince you? No, because their hearts were hard. And that's, where, and that's why he says, only a crooked and perverse generation demands a sign. See, they wanted, some, they wanted to be able to control him. They wanted, they wanted him to perform signs and wonders on their terms. They wanted entertainment. And he's, dude, I already showed you. And so he said, here's the sign you're going to get. In three days, I'll, I'll go into the belly of the earth. In three days, I'll rise again. <laughs> That's the only sign that you're going to get. <clears throat> but we, we cannot allow unbelief <laughs> uh, to rob us of these things that he wants us to do. Their offense, their unbelief kept them from believing even if they did see it, the Pharisees saw miracle after miracle after miracle and didn't believe. Judas, man. Judas was one of the 72 that was sent out and still didn't believe. That's what Matthew chapter 7, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, I never knew you you workers of iniquity, you practicers of lawlessness. That's what's scary about kingdom principles is you can do some of the th- these things and they work and you can still not know him. And you can still not be known by him. If people who are not known by him can walk in the miraculous, then people who know him have no excuse. And I know that sounds harsh. I know that sounds whatever. But I'm, I'm talking to me too because I pray, I'm, I'm believing this too. I'm getting myself there as well. But I believe that as a church, as a ministry, we can move into this place where we begin to see the miraculous take place, where all the unbelief gets driven out of our hearts. When he, when he says, you, 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 
I never knew you. That's like an intimate, I don't, I don't know you, you workers of lawlessness. Jesus was saying is that you were doing, he was telling these people, you were doing things in my name that I never gave you permission to do because, because you were doing it outside of relationship. <clears throat> Perhaps we have seen a lack of miracles in the American church because we've made it about us instead of about him. Perhaps we've tried to focus on the kingdom rather than focusing on the king. When we focus on the king, he always brings the kingdom with him. When he comes, he brings joy, he brings peace, he brings love, he brings righteousness, he brings healing, he raises the dead, he opens blind eyes, he unblocks deaf ears. Perhaps we've focused on the giftings more than the giver of gifts. We've got to get back to this place of just simply knowing him and then we'll begin to see him work through us. I love what A.W. Tozer says. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. But if the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. Come on. You don't need a book on miracles. You've got one. You don't need the latest leadership podcast. You don't need the newest prophetic conference with all the latest speakers to lay hands on you. You need one thing, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. And you need, you need to step out of this place with the Holy Ghost where you're no longer fearful of what man thinks of you. We're no longer worried about people thinking that we're weird. Well, if we start talking about healing or if we start talking about the miraculous or we start talking about tongues, people are gonna think we're weird. I'm not worried about what people think about me. I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about what they're gonna feel. I'm worried about what they're gonna feel. Because we had a group of teenagers in the youth center Sunday night laying on the floor crying and shaking in the presence of God. I'm not worried about if they come in and think we're a bunch of weirdos. I'm worried about what they're going to feel. I want them to encounter the manifest presence of God because it will mark them forever, man. It will mark them forever. Me standing up and preaching a little 20-minute TED Talk ain't going to change them. It's the power of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. And I refuse to settle for an expression of Christianity that doesn't reflect what we read here. I refuse to settle. We cannot lower our standards to our own experiences. We have to fight to raise our standards to what we see in God's word. And just because I am, just because I'm, I'm PG version, just because I'm stinking at what God has called me to do doesn't give me a right to do something that's easier. Peter went back to fishing and that is not what God called him to do. And I believe a lot, maybe, maybe there's some of us here in this room where we've settled and we've gone back to what was easy 
because we changed or lowered our measure of faith because we were not seeing the breakthrough that we wanted to see and Jesus is coming and he's on the shore and he's saying, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. The kingdom works, y'all. The kingdom works. The kingdom is the culture of heaven and it overrides everything it comes in contact with. And I believe that miracles, miracles are a mature manifestation of the kingdom is what they are. Why aren't miracles, why aren't they more normal? Because we haven't been ready for them. Maybe we've been too mixed with culture. Maybe we've been double-minded. Maybe our eyes aren't solely focused on him. And if you've got two eyes, you can look at the church in America today and see that the Holy Spirit is revealing things in the church. And he is coming through with a winnowing fork. And he is separating the sheeps and the goats. And he is removing the wolves. And he's taking us back. I've heard some apologists say, well, miracles aren't supposed to be normal. They're supposed to be rare because if they, they were normal, they wouldn't be a miracle. <sighs> Tell that to Jesus because they seem to be pretty normal in his ministry. Tell that to the New Testament church. <laughs> a miracle is just something that defies the laws of nature. When the supernatural breaks into the natural, it changes something. We Christians, we're not supposed to be normal. We're not supposed to be balanced. We're supposed to be completely transformed by the power of God. We're supposed to be so unlike anything the world has ever seen. And if the world can look at us and go, I don't believe in your God, but I get it, something's wrong, man. They should look at us and think that we are absolute bonkers. But they should see that we are more unified than anything else, any other place. They should see that we're more full of love and more full of joy and more full of peace and more full of power than anything they've ever seen before. I believe that, that miracles beckon the hearts of unbelievers. It was the Pharisees, not the unbelievers, that were demanding a sign. But I believe that the goodness of God wants to encounter people. The goodness of God wants to encounter people. He wants to use us as his vessel to encounter the world. And, and, and listen, it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be showy. It doesn't have to be whatever. You, you run into somebody and you ask them how, how you can pray for them. And pray that they would experience the tangible, manifest presence of God. Well, that's kind of weird language to use. Who cares, man? Who ca I'm, not, I'm not here to look cool to the culture. I'm not here to be relevant to anybody. I only want to be relevant to Jesus. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And some of us are getting exactly what our hopes are set on because our hopes are really low. God did not put us here to survive, but to thrive. And what I want to tell you today is get your hopes up. Get your hopes up and don't rain on other people's hopes. Don't be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> get your hopes up. And listen, Tim says young people all the time, so I'm gonna say old people. Don't rain on the parade of the next generation. Don't put out their fire. Or we'll have words. Because I'm their shepherd. Don't rain on their parade. What I tell them, I tell them at High Point, I said, just tell, tell them to send me an email. I won't read it. <laughs> tell them to call me. When they say that you're, you're dancing too crazy, you're worshiping Jesus too much, you're too bold, I had a student get in trouble one time because he was going to go pray for people at Walmart. And I don't know if that's what the Lord has called us to do. 
Huh? What? I think we need to pray, we need to pray about that before we go pray for people. Like that, what are we talking about, man? Goodness gracious. <laughs> Get other people's hopes up. Let's train the next generation to believe big. Let's train our kids to believe big. Come on. <laughs> Christ in me is the hope of glory. First Corinthians uh, or Second Corinthians chapter three, Moses' face was glowing under an inferior covenant. How much more do we have access to? He wants to move us from glory to glory to glory to glory. Come on. Anything is possible to he that believes. Let that build your faith. Faith comes by hearing the rhema, the spoken word of God. Get alone with him and let him talk to you and build your faith. Understand that we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. We've already won. It's already defeated. Those demons are already defeated. Cancer is already defeated. The flu is already defeated. What you're praying for has already been accomplished. Heaven starts breaking in when we become fully convinced that heaven is here. Come on, the same... Jesus would not give you the same spirit that raised him from the dead so that you could hide out in your church and wait for the rapture. You'd be waiting a few thousand years. God bless you. Sorry. <laughs> faith can grow. Grow your faith. Grow it with agreement. How do I increase my faith? Fix your eyes on the author and finisher and perfecter of your faith. Come on. Surround yourself with people of faith. Stop praying weak prayers. Start making bold declarations. Become fully convinced. Well, what if I set out in faith and these things don't happen? Change that mindset. What if you set out in faith and they do start happening? Luke 12, 32 is one of my favorite verses. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Come on, it's his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to give us the kingdom more than we want to receive it. He wants to give it. Come on, it's his good pleasure that you lay your hands on the sick and they be healed. It's his good pleasure that you walk into the store and demons flee from you. It's his good pleasure that you see people the way that God intended them to be seen. It's his good pleasure to give you his love and his message to the lost. It's his good pleasure to fill you with his presence so much that it overflows out of you everywhere that we go. Stop speaking things over yourself and coming to, into agreement and changing your theology based on the laws of nature because the laws of the kingdom supersede the laws of nature. They override the laws of nature. And, and when we think outside of the kingdom, we allow things to flourish that weren't meant to flourish. When we, when we think, let me give you an example. We, we, we think things and we speak things over ourselves that aren't true. I'm just so anxious all the time. I'm just so stressed out. Well, yeah, you're speaking over yourself. You believe that about yourself. You're allowing that to be a false prophet. Come on, you're coming to agreement with a lie. Well, I'm just getting so old. I'm just in bad health because I'm old. Or, or there's a Holy Spirit that quickens your mortal body. Come on. Well, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you stay right where you are. He wants to break through and do impossible things. I don't, I don't, 
I don't think that God is inconsistent. I think we are. Right? That's simple enough. God is not unfaithful. We are unfaithful. And so I don't think that it's, it's that God wants to move. It's not that God moves um, in power and sometimes, and sometimes he doesn't. I think that it's, it's the church and the people who don't allow him to or don't want him to by their unbelief, their lack of faith, whatever, their sin, their unforgiveness, their resentment. There's things that hinder the moves of God. He wants to move, but he's waiting for people who would humble themselves, turn from their wicked ways, call out to heaven and he'll hear and he'll come heal their land. May we be a people that lean into him again. And listen, you want to build your faith? Just look at the miracles all around you every day. There's so many miracles that we just so take for granted. I mean, my, my good, I was looking at, have y'all seen the, the James Webb telescope, the, NASA, the new NASA telescope? Oh my goodness. It's the fool that says in his heart, there is no God. I was looking at the, they're called the pillars of creation today. And they're literally taking pictures of new stars being born. And it's 6,200 light years away. Things that we'll never reach, that we'll never see, that we'll never be able to get to. Why did God do that? Because he can. Let's think about the, the, just the earth today, man. It's uh, like the earth is spinning like a thousand miles an hour and we're rotating around the sun at 62,000 miles an hour. And the solar system is rotating around the Milky Way at 448,000 miles an hour. That's really fast. And I can't remember the, and I want to say that it's like, in order for the solar system to get completely around the Milky Way, would take like 200 million years or something. Wow. But we don't see miracles? Come on. We don't see miracles. Think about your own, the, the human body. Think about the, the human eyeball is so intricate. It's fascinating. There's miracles all around us all the time. They're, they're, listen, miracles happen all the time and we don't even know it. You took the wrong turn. Don't get frustrated. Might have been a miracle. God might have saved you from a head-on collision. Who knows? You ever seen a baby be born? It's disgusting, but it's a miracle. I thought I would get used to it by the fourth one, but I cried like a baby every one. Just cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. Why? Because it's a miracle, man. A miracle. Talking about a sperm and an egg come together and create a, a human life. And like it just grows inside of a mom's belly. And then the mom has the ability to feed it. Like, just because her body tells it to? What? Miracles, man. There's miracles all around us all the time. You and I are miracles. I think about how I got here on this stage. I think about the miracle of salvation. Are you kidding me? Did you know Josh Barnett at 18 years old? If you did, 
Hetty told me at a worship night, 18 years old, that I was going to hell. And it's exactly what I needed to hear because I was. I was on my way. I was on the highway to it. <laughs> it's corny, I know. If you knew Josh Barnett at 18 years old and you meet Josh Barnett now, like when I think about my past, like I, I feel like I'm talking about a different person. Did y'all know Sarah Barnett, at eight, Sarah Hogan at 18 years old? You talk about lost. My goodness. If you knew, if Sarah stood up here and gave her entire testimony, you'd be like, there's no way. Sarah is the most impressive person that I've ever met. And I'm not just saying that because she's my wife. She's literally objectively looking. She's the most impressive person I've ever met. It's, it's crazy. You want to talk about trauma? You want to talk about hurt? You want to talk about devastation? She never does. Why? Because she's completely whole. She's completely healed. Why? Because Jesus. The miracle of salvation. The miracle of transformation. The miracle of healing. Come on. Shoot. There's so many good things that God wants to do in us. Stand with me. Let me pray for you. Come on. Let's do this. Um, if you are believing for a miracle, not a, not a healing, if you're believing for a miracle in a relationship, in a, in a marriage, in a, in a, in a, with a child, um, with um, just like reconciliation of relationship, if you're believing for a miracle um, uh, financially, like you're looking and going, I don't know how this is going to work. And, and listen, I've been there. I've been there. There have been times where we're looking at our bills and, we're, and we were going, I have no idea. And, and I can stand here today and go, I still don't know. It literally was fish and bread that God began to multiply. I have no idea. Miracle. Miracle. And so if you're believing for financial breakthrough, reconciliation, relationships, anything like that. If, there's a, if you need that, if you need breakthrough, will you just lift your hand? We're going to pray for you. Wow, hands everywhere. All right, let's pray for ourselves. Okay. <laughs> Glory. Everybody. All of you. Okay, let's do this. I want you to just hold your hands out like this, you're, like you're receiving something from the Lord. Jesus, thank you, Lord. We believe that you are the way maker. We believe that you are the miracle worker. We believe that you are the parter of seas, God. You're the one that makes a way when there is no way. You are the one supernaturally, God, I'm praying breakthrough. Financially, I'm praying breakthrough. Reconciliation, I'm praying for supernatural wisdom to fill our minds so that we now have the problems. God, we believe that there is no problem in our life or this world that you don't currently have an answer for. And so we take hold of those answers right now in Jesus' name. We believe that you are downloading those in our spirit right now in Jesus' name. And even as we sleep tonight, that you're gonna teach our spirits how to handle situations and problems. You're gonna show us how to minister to our prodigal children. You're gonna show us how to minister to our, our, our brothers and sisters that we, we have an unreconcilable relationship with. I believe that marriages are coming back to life in Jesus' name. I declare marriages come forth 
Come up out of that grave in Jesus' name. You're about to enter into a marriage that's gonna be more amazing than you ever thought was possible. I believe you're gonna enter into joy and peace in your home to another degree that you didn't even think was possible. Lord, I'm asking that you pour out your blessing, you pour out your spirit in each and every family, in each and every home in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, and the whole house said amen and amen. Listen. He's a miracle worker. He loves you, church. We love you. We'll see you Sunday morning. Don't miss because Pastor Paul is preaching Sunday morning and it's going to be awesome. So love you, church. Thank you for listening to this message from Christian Ministries Church. If this message impacted you and you'd like to sow into our ministry, you can give at cmchurch.com. If you'd like to listen to more of our messages, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Christian Ministries. God bless.